Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Carl. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, every week we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now sponsoring... I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seatbelt <laughs> sign. And the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tire? Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, it messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand, which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these two little clips, and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenuous sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low-income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebar Jack will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. Kyle, you want to do your welcome listeners. I quite liked that last time. Welcome listeners. I'm <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> and I'm Luke. And uh, welcome to another episode of our podcast, Well, That Fucked Me Up. And um, it, did. it did. Yeah. Um, and we're very excited to be talking to... Um, Charlie. Uh, hi, Charlie. Hi, guys. It's great to be here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on. Um, uh, give us a little bit about. Uh, I feel like we've had lots of Brits, but that's fine. I mean, because I'm I'm English. <laughs> Carl's American. We'll have have some sort of uh, cross Atlantic fight at some stage. Um, Char- Charlie, give us a little bit of background about y- you and your um, and where you're from and your and your upbringing. Just we don't have to go on forever, but yeah, anything you think might be relevant, just so we have a bit bit of a backstory. Um, uh, okay, uh, from the UK, uh, Luke, um, and privileged private schoolboy, uh, a boarding school survivor. I would say that's my first trauma. Been thrown away at school at eight to nine years old. That's insane. Um, at- and uh, my, I suppose my, look, my passion and my work has stemmed from a very traumatic accident and various things. Um, but um, my real passion is, is talking about resilience and how we adapt to change and how we overcome struggles and challenges, which is partly from my story of a traumatic accident, but as well as an aspiration to be a professional athlete as a young man, I'm super talented. 
physically, uh, but I struggled to perform under pressure. Um, I played rugby for England, West of England, hockey, county cricket, all British sports, I have to say. Um, but um, I, I really didn't, um, I wasn't my best when I really wanted to be. Uh, I struggled with a little voice in the head when it really counted. Um, so I've got really curious about this, this, um, this piece of, you know, how we be resilient, how we adapt to change and how we, you know, bounce back from serious adversity. And it's been a big theme for, um, yeah, for most of my life. That's amazing. And also I will say you're a little bit muffled. So if there's, I don't know whether you can go a little, whether it's further away from the microphone. I mean, I'm getting it, but then also I'm thinking that we have, uh, uh, I'll hold it up here. Yeah, that's good. It, it, that's that the one. Oh yeah, that's it. Um, and, Char- and Charlie, we uh, we know each other from some quite <laughs> some quite heady days in London. Yeah. Um, and I think we were sort of cut from the same cloth in that we were. I relate to the voice in in your head situation. I I was always not good enough or not quite good enough or, uh, you know, I'd start something, I'd, I'd have some promise and then something would tell me that I would need to stop or I would give up or I was never going to succeed. So, you know, we can come full circle around to that in a bit, but why don't you tell us about um, your, what we're calling your life-changing event? Yeah, okay. Well, we, we did, we, we met in a, in a time which I look back with no regrets, but, a, you know, a, a massive phase of hedonism. And partly why I was in that phase was disassociation because I didn't want to feel because it was too painful to feel. And even though you might not have realized at that time, because I projected an image of a happy-go-lucky type of person, I was avoiding um, feeling the impact of, of a traumatic car accident at the age of 21 where coming back from a rave uh, on the M4, which is a big motorway, um, uh, driving back from Bristol to London, I fell asleep at the wheel of the car going 80 miles an hour. Uh, and I woke up hitting the central reservation and the fight flight system kicked in and I jerked and I yanked the wheel, which caused the car to flip and roll 90 miles down the motorway oh. into a lorry and burst into flames. Oh my gosh. What I, what I didn't say is my sister was in the passenger seat. Oh my gosh. Uh, and um, I, the next thing, I kind of vaguely wake up and there's somebody trying to drag me out. What I didn't know until later, uh, and I'm still piecing the story 20 years later, there was an off-duty fireman on the other side of the road who was on a motorbike heading home, saw the accident and managed to stop his motorbike on the end or jump across the motorway and stop any oncoming cars coming into our car. Um, and he was partly the reason why uh, my sister's still alive because her neck was broken and he managed to um, uh, just put a little bit of a pause on the situation. Um, She was um, subsequently flown to French A Hospital, which is thankfully a a hospital that specialises in brain injury. Um, I was taken to a different hospital. I woke up the next day hardly remembering what happened to say that my sister was in another hospital in a coma and my parents were. And I was responsible for that accident. It was me who fell asleep at the wheel. Goodness, um, goodness gracious. And, 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 um, yeah, kind of long story short, um, you know, I was traumatized, um, seven days into the, after the accident, we were told my sister wasn't going to live. Oh and um, we went to the hospital to say goodbye. You know, I can I can remember it very clearly. We got in a car, 
you know, I can feel the emotion as I speak to this now because I'm, I'm sort of back there. And, and we went down to literally say goodbye uh, uh, to her. Um, I can remember the conversation I had with my parents, you know, saying that it was most likely my sister was going to live. And uh, miraculously, uh, and there are a few miracles on the way around this one, but miraculously, um, she her brain pressure dropped. Wow. Um, and the, the surgeon that was due to turn her machine off got whisked into another operating theater. And in that time, her brain pressure dropped and they said, well, look, we, we're going to give it a chance. We don't know what she's going to be like when she comes out of the coma, but we're going to give it a go. And anyway, you know, that, that was the start of her recovery. It took a long time. She needed to learn to speak again. Her foot was badly injured. I, I got away relatively unscathed, like I massively damaged my hand. Um, but it was more the kind of psychological, emotional trauma in the physical trauma, which I, you know, I didn't really understand mm. for, for a while, to be honest with you. Um, and, um, you know, my family have never blamed me. My sister has never blamed me. Their parents have never blamed me. But uh, that in, internalized guilt was certainly for myself. And, and, um, you know, my way of coping off the back of that was, um, you know, just partying hard for, for, for a long time, probably seven years, eight years, uh, until, um, yeah, and, 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 yeah, until there were some, you know, some things that kind of catalyzed like a different direction in life. Yeah. Well, that, that gives you a little, little, little flavor of, of that was a kind of, that was the major event, but you know, I think we've all suffered different traumas in our life, but that was, the, that was, that was the big one that, um, uh, eventually got me to start questioning life in a different way and was also the catalyst to, to be on a, what I would sort of healing and a personal development journey that's still ongoing. Well, I think we should talk about that slightly, Charlie. I mean, thank you. That's amazing. I, I was teary, yeah. teary dur- during that. Um, Kyle, what do you think about that? It was insane, right? Because you haven't heard yeah. Charlie's story. Well, I, got, I got goosebumps and then it was like, you know, the off-duty fireman and then like that yeah. one doctor getting called away. Like, that is just the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. But wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a, and I totally hear, you know, the kind of the, the, the trust in higher power, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, yeah. the, the mystery, many, many names. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 I only two years ago, I started um, making sense of the story, you know, to really get, and to share the story. Uh, it took a long time for me to do that. And I, and I tracked down the fireman. Wow. Um, uh, and um, I actually went back to the scene of the accident 20 years later at the exact same time because it happened at 7.17 on the 7th of the 7th, 1997 at junction 17 of the M4, <laughs> which, which is, so which seven, is always... Seven, a, of, seven uh, o'clock every day is a bit of a... Know, seven o'clock every day is a bit laugh, of a trauma for you. You know, made me laugh on the, on the number thing. <laughs> yes. But uh, I, 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 I'll tell you a funny story. I went back to... 20 years later, I, I went onto the bridge overlooking where the accident was. And it's a bridge on the M4. You're not meant to stop on those bridges. And I was kind of doing a ritual, you know, it was like a kind of a ritual to life, you know, like I, I just like, I was so fucking grateful to be alive 20 years later and have recovered and, 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 and you know, being of service in what I do, having a job that I love, making a difference. And, you know, my life is extraordinary now. And, and and also grateful for that accident for how it woke me up in many ways. Not that I'd ever want that to happen to my sister, and I wouldn't. Of course, I wouldn't. 
but it, you know it has been a gift as I look back and yeah. uh, any, anyway the uh, I, I get seven police cars rock up on top of the uh, on top of the bridge because they think I'm about to jump oh off my the bridge. <laughs> and there I am, just kind of appreciating and you know having a moment for myself. That's, am- that's <laughs> and then amazing. I ended, I ended up having this beautiful conversation with this policeman who was head of the um, kind of traffic police of that part of the N4, and I just shared about it, and I, and I got to express my gratitude for the police because. Um, the response time was so quick to the accident from the ambulance service to the helicopters that, you know, my sister wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for those extraordinary human beings of that um, put their life on the line regularly. That's amazing. Um, and I think what we're hearing a lot through some of these stories is that people say, I, of course, they wouldn't want to go back there and relive that experience. But what those these experiences and these events have taught them and how they've come full circle and how they've felt more alive or how they've the the journey they've been on they wouldn't change that for the world because of the enlightenment they've got because of the Mm. um the the kind of the coming out the other side let's not dwell on the the darkest points charlie but i'm assuming you know that the when you were running away with the with the hedonism you must have just been completely consumed with guilt no matter what anybody told you right there's just no no getting away from it yeah, and a, and a lot of that, Luke, was unconscious. Yeah. You know, because I think we, we you know, you know, a lot of it was unconscious. It wasn't even conscious of the guilt, you know, and it wasn't till later, you know, of a, 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 a lot of work on myself through various mediums um, uh, to work through the trauma uh, uh, and the healing that, that I became aware of it, you know, and I'll be really honest with you, I didn't take responsibility for that accident for a long time to right. really take, you know, to take responsibility. That was me. Interesting. How can I deal with my guilt unless I, you know, look my sister in the eye and say, look, I fucked up there. Yes, I was young, but that was me, yeah. you know, and that's been a big piece for me in life around taking responsibility. You know, doing that, doing that from a place without kind of consuming myself with internal judgment but just kind of growing up Um, yeah yeah. talk about your journey and how you went from the moment to the accident to where you are now like you mentioned yeah yeah so so look I uh, um, I, if I take it a step back I was in the 90s like Luke in London it was an amazing time in the 90s in the UK and I I started experimenting with uh, you know, with drugs, going to raise. And, and that was a really pivotal moment in my life. Even though I was playing with the sport, there was something deeply profound about the 90s and and me experiencing different states of consciousness. And yes, it was through drugs, but it touched me in a very deep way. Uh, and, and actually, you know, after the accident, I kind of went headlong into this scene. And, um, um, and it, but then it, it kind of got, I suppose, it, it got more consuming, um, and eventually it was it was avoidance of pain really it was avoidance of pain and um even though i had lots of fun uh the journey kind of for me started really maybe seven years later after the accident i I, I wasn't looking at it at all you know i was disassociated from it there wasn't any kind of great epiphany straight after the accident i was young but it was about 26 when i I remember asking a very simple question uh, after being very disillusioned what I was doing. I was, I was running nightclubs, you know, what makes me happy? And, um, 
And I knew it wasn't that. And I left a job. <laughs> I left the nightclub that I was working in. I moved out of London. And I started asking this question. And, the, and the, what I reconnected to was my love of, 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 of sport and of being fit. And, and, and I, I ended up getting stronger and fitter. And um, I ended up you know, reconnecting to my love as a child of sport. I trained to be a personal trainer. I trained to be a tennis coach. Uh, and I kind of threw myself into, into this world. And I met a very, very enlightening um, sports and conditioning coach. He, he like coach Laird Hamilton, a big wave surfer. I had lots of well-known athletes over in the States there. And, but he took one look at me when I was 26. Uh, and he looked at one look at my body and he goes, what happened to you? Wow. So he just saw me, yeah. you know, we were doing some kind of um, exercise around posture and he just came up, what happened to you? And I shared about the accident and he just looked at me and I said, you know, he, so he could kind of see it in my body, yeah. you know, and I used to think, I used to think that was magic, but now, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's clear to me. I can see trauma very clearly because of the work I do. Um, uh, and he just, he was the catalyst for me. You know, he said to me, go see an acupuncturist, go see a Feldenkrais practitioner, go see a Rolfer. I didn't know what any of those were. <laughs> I didn't know what, it, I didn't know what he was talking about. You know, what, what's a Rolfer? Uh, well, what is a Rolfer? You know, <laughs> what is a Rolfer? You know, a Rolfer is a type of massage that, 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 that helps um, release emotional trauma from our system. Wow. Uh, so anyway, I, I just followed his you know, I followed his, you know, his lead. He inspired me, and I'm, a, I'm, you know, and I feel very, very grateful for the most amazing teachers I've come across that, that I just have appreciation to. Uh, and he was one of the first ones, and um, and that started off, I, I suppose, the healing journey. Um, you know, I found myself in floods of tears after a massage session. I didn't know what had happened. Mm. You know, the mind and body are so connected. There was no talking therapy. It was just massages uh, and. I had some acupuncture on my hand and I was told I'd never pick up a tennis racket again. Wow. I love to play sport. Um, um, and I've actually got county trials this year, 45 Sussex county trials in tennis. Wow. So, you know, that's, you know, I play double-handed both sides now. So overcoming that, you know, I, I can do it. I'm just going to learn how to play tennis differently. Wow. But, it, but I went to an acupuncturist and he looked at my hand and he just said to me, uh, you've got a cold in your hand, you know, <laughs> and I'd never thought about energy. Uh, uh, um, and he said, you've got a cold in your hand. We'll just put some needles in here. I'll give you some moxa. We'll put some heat in your hand. And I felt this warmth going to my hand. And I, 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 I it alleviated this kind of pain I used to get every night. I used to have to wake up with my hand in hot water because my hand was in so much pain. Oh and, and anyway, the acupuncture helped heal my hand. And I was like, what is this energy thing? And so lots of questions, lots of healing. And, um, and, and that was 27. And look, that journey still unfolds, to be honest with you. Yes. I, I, I got the bit, I got the bit between my teeth when I started, um, my worldview changed and started seeing the world differently. And, uh, I did lots of crazy shit. headed off to South America 15 years ago and lived in the Amazon with a shaman for a month. And this was, this was 13 years ago now. I remember that. All the crazy. I remember that journey. Um, yes. But, but uh, um, I did lots of stuff um, to, yeah, to um, make sense of what happened. And um, that's brilliant. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a brilliant, yeah. No, I, and I think that uh, you've you've summarised everything so well, and it's amazing that we, you know, Carl and I, having done a few of these now, seeing this 
this amazing pattern, which is the, it's the butterfly, it's the chrysalis and the butterfly. And it's, you wouldn't wish these events on anybody, but the, the, the journey and the evolution that we sometimes find ourselves on because that you we're forced into this self-evaluation and this mm. self-assessment and mm. you know uh, often we're at the crossroads it's like i don't i i can't mm. go on feeling like this anymore so i've got a choice here mm. i'm either gonna let the whole mm. thing consume me and not give myself a chance or i'm mm. going to figure it out and i'm going to start on this journey mm. of of recovery and kind of redemption mm. as they call it mm. you know and I think you just summarized yeah. that so, so brilliantly, Charlie. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the reflections. And, um, um, you know, I, I think there is gift in the shit, as they say, you know, and I think, I think it's a really important conversation to be having right now because the context that we, yeah. it's like, how do, how do we make sense of, you know, the difficulty and the challenges that see these as opportunities, not always as threats. Um, and I think, um, uh, uh, as you said, you, you wouldn't want to wish these things on you. But look, I went through a divorce recently. I went through that divorce as well as I could have gone through. Yeah. Why did I go through that divorce well? And why am I still really close with my ex and we have a good relationship with my kids is because of the shit that I've been through to enable me to go through what is one of the most difficult things we can go through in life. But, uh, I know that we, we did that well, yeah, which is rare. We did we did that well because of, you know, um, I, I, it, you know, Nietzsche said it well. What doesn't kill us can make us grow stronger. And I think the caveat for that for me though is if we learn through the experience, um, you know, are we vulnerable enough to be able to learn from the experience? Or, you know, or do we have the courage to be vulnerable to open up, to heal, to feel our pain, to digest our pain? to transform our pain because it, it, it's, it's not as simple as bouncing back. I think true healing is a transformational process which takes courage and takes a, uh, a, a movement towards pain uh, and recognizing that there's gift in that. I mean, if ever there was a time to wrap this up, that was that. <laughs> that was just absolutely brilliant. And thank you for your time. And obviously, we're, I'm in LA and it's early morning and you're in the UK and we're recording this with a, my Amazon special deal hokey microphone and my, you're coming through my computer and the soundbars are telling me that we've recorded it and it's going to be okay. And, um, you know, and Charlie, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for the conversation. Really appreciate it. Have a wonderful evening. Take care, you too. Much love. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.